Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to The Mentor. I'm Mark Boris, chairman of a company called Raise, R-A-I-Z, Invest Australia. Tony Fay, that's his name, Tony Fay, has worked in financial markets since the 80s where he held senior positions for several leading investment banks and, of course, stockbroking firms. Through having his own kids, he saw firsthand how difficult it was for them to save and, more importantly, to invest. So Tony jumped at the opportunity to make a difference by starting a business that provides the millennial customer, that's right, the millennial customer, a platform to invest and save with very small amounts of money. By the way, we're talking about here as little as $5 a time. Raise can round up transactions from your bank account when you spend some money and invest the spare change for you. Spend $1.50, round it up to two bucks, invest 50 cents. For example, that money goes straight into the Raise investment account, or more importantly, your Raise investment account, which you open up through the app, and then invest it for you into the stock market. So people with modest incomes can start investing right now. When the business launched in 2016, they had $3 million worth of funds under management. Now that's grown to $480 million under management. They had 2,000 customers, they now have 800,000 customers across Australia. They just launched in Indonesia and Malaysia. I'm going to ask Tony why it was watching his own kids struggle to save and invest their money drove him to launch this business. Why creating this easy app has changed the game for young investors and how he's trying to level the playing field with the big banks. And what was his light bulb moment? And what were the skills that he needed to bring to the table to execute on this great idea? So let's get into it. Tony Fay, welcome to The Mentor. Hi, Mark. Nice to be here again. Well, you're here under a different name. It's not you haven't changed your own name. You're here under a, under a different business name, but the same business. Exactly. We had to change the name from Acorns to Raise Australia. Right. We were originally in partnership with some Americans, and um, that partnership didn't work out. So in the end, we bought them out, and had to, well, part of that deal was we had to change the name, but the product's pretty much the same. Same product. So, of course, no one listening to this is going to remember the product, nor are they going to remember the podcast. <laughs> and my podcast was under a different name in those days as well. It's called The Mark Boris Show, I think, in those days. Today it's called The Mentor. But, you know, same sort of show. But I guess what similarly um, my business has become more sophisticated as your business has become more sophisticated. But uh, for our listeners, I mean, I, I'm sitting here with uh, Tony Faye. Tony's Probably uh, late fifties, close. Yeah, um, he's got grown up kids. Um, as far as I'm aware, Tony's background was in stockbroking. Yeah, uh, actually derivatives broking. But uh, a, yeah, yeah it, 
deliveries broking. Yep. But if I go back to when you were 20, 19, 20, you left school and what happened? Uh, I left school and I had no idea what I wanted to do. Um, I thought I wanted to be a vet, um, but I didn't get enough marks to get into vet. So I took a year off and went and worked uh, as a jackaroo. Um, and then I went back to uni, Melbourne Uni, and did ag science, thinking that I'd get into vet, but that never happened. Are you a country bloke? No, I'm from the city, but my f- grandfather always had a farm and I wanted to get involved in that. Yeah, so but, I mean, uh, being a farmer is a tough business. Um, sure and, is and, this year. Yeah, totally. And uh, I, I reckon it's always been tough. So, uh, you know, they have good times, but they don't really have good times for very long. But So you were doing ag science, but you stopped doing ag science. Then no, no, you, I, I completed the degree. You did and the then degree, I, right? when I got to the end of it, I thought, wow, do I really want to be going out on farms and selling drench or herbicides? Um, but I had a cousin who was involved in the futures business and we'd done a lot of, in those days there was just, um, wool futures and cattle futures um, and we studied a lot of economics and I thought, well, that's a, that's a good place to, to get involved. So I really um, left university and got involved in the futures market. So like 30, uh, 40 years ago, nearly 40 years ago into the futures market in Sydney, it wouldn't have been a very sophisticated market in those days. It wasn't. It was still open outcry. There was, um, it was a very small exchange. Um, and in I was, Sydney, you're talking about Sydney now? In, yeah, yeah, I moved up to Sydney yeah, for, yeah. for business. Um, and then uh, I was lucky enough to be with a firm that um, – so I spent a couple of years in Sydney and then I, I was lucky enough to go and be involved uh, the firm I was with at the time, which doesn't exist anymore, um, opened an office in New York. So I went to New York with them for a couple of years in well, that, 86, 87. Well, that's, that's quite important because, you know, p- people got to understand that you don't just – wake up one day when you're 18 or 19 or 20 and uh, moved out of home and maybe you did a degree 21, whatever, and then all of a sudden you think, oh, I'm going to go into this business called uh, uh, Acorn or Razorvest or whatever it is. Like, yeah, like you're not going to – you just don't do that. I mean, it takes a long, long time. There's a lot of sort of – a lot of building blocks in between. And yours was working in the futures. Now, for those people who are listening, you know, like, let's, let's just say um, a futures trader is someone who buys or trades and, and or buys and sells the future price of a product. It could be um, something that gets supplied to a market. It could be the price of pork bellies. It could be the price of corn. It could be, uh, I don't know, what were you trading? Price of interest rates? Oh, it was mainly interest rates, currencies, gold, that sort of thing. So basically Tony was speculating for yourself well, no, or for anybody no, else? I was, I was a broker. Are you a broker, okay. Yeah, yeah. So like a stockbroker, he takes an order from somebody who wants to either hedge their position or alternatively just um, speculate in the future prices of something. Um, would that be right? That's a good yeah. description. Yeah. So, so, so for you, you boys and girls out there who are thinking about leaving school and uh, don't know what to do, and I mean, this is a well-trodden path: becoming a stockbroker or working a stockbroking environment. One of my sons worked in those environments. One of your sons worked in those environments. Still as does. Of course, still does. Yep. And it's a, it's a fairly well-trodden process. I mean, it's not a an industry where you can make a lot of money. I mean, it's very tough, very competitive regulated, every other damn thing. It's become much more difficult to make a lot of money. Yeah, unless you've got a shitload and, of money to play with. And computers have taken any arbitrage opportunities yeah. that were there. And, and, and also clients can access some um, opportunities direct now too, so it's sort of not as what it used to be. But nonetheless, it is, it is a, a, a process where you learn about um, rules, regulations, doing proper process. Uh, you learn about... Um, how to build up client base, how to lose client base, how to compete with the bloke sitting next to you. Um, there, There is – you won't make money. You make, might make a living. It's a good place to earn money if you're still living at home, um, which I guess is the your kid's case, is it? No, no, no I've got rid of them all. They've got rid of them, good <laughs> on you. So uh, I've still got one at home. But uh, it, so it's, it's not a bad process. And a lot of people like you have done it. I know a lot of blokes like you 
they might not have been futures brokers, but your vintage, your age group, who were stockbrokers, but over time have um, used that stockbroking experience and all the people they met to build other businesses, new businesses, and you would know heaps of them yourself. Well, that's right, and in fact, that's how this business really started was through people who I'd known in the business, um, and you know, it was more coincidence than my great urge to be involved in this business that I became involved in it, and, and I'm thrilled I, I was. So the thing about stockbroking, as you said, is you meet a lot of people. Um, and you learn how to deal with a lot of people as well. And you meet people who are going to sit next to you in the desk next to you who you trade with, so you understand that psyche about trading, you know, that type of personality, the behaviour. Um, sometimes you might even adopt the same behaviour. You understand your clients. That's really important. And you, what's really important here is you understand markets. Now, I keep talking about mar- markets are really important. I mean, it doesn't matter what market you're in, but in the case here with Tony, we're talking about financial markets. How important was that experience for you in terms of how you parlay that into today's business, your current business, the understanding markets in financial services? Yeah, look, uh, that's a really good point, I think, is you learn a lot when you're in financial markets about a lot of things. Um, but the most important things that you learn are, you know, compliance, integrity, honesty, are the things that get you through. Um, and if you apply those um, traits to any business, uh, that's a very good baseline to start with. Because your business today, I mean, you're, what, what, what do you got under management? We've got nearly $480 million under management okay, now. So, so we've got a big fiduciary responsibility. Totally. And uh, if you hadn't learned those systems and processes and standards and ethics and, dare I say, compliance um, techniques and also learn how to tolerate compliance because we all want to get out there and make money. We all want to gather the money in that we want to go and grab the inventory that makes us the money. We want to get on the front foot. But now today, that compliance environment is extraordinarily important. It's it's top of the list. Top of the top, it is top of the, if, actually if, it is. If, if you're not compliant, you're not in business, and you lose your licenses. And uh, we'll come back to that in a moment. But so, do you think? I mean, you probably didn't even realise it at the time, but the systems of compliance that you grew up with and you saw evolve over a 30, 40-year period, how important has that been to you today in terms of being able to tolerate those processes? Oh, look, as our, as our compliance became more and more important, we, you know, as young guys, we all hated it. We thought it was crazy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as you get older and you get more experience in business, you realise that there are people out there who don't do the right thing. And the only way um, to make sure they do is to have really strict compliance regimes around all these financial services business. You know, the Royal Commission was a classic um, of, of how people who you thought should be behaving well were not. And so um, that really eroded a lot of confidence. And, and that gives you part of your edge on your brand. Yeah. So like, because like if I'm going to put some of my loose change with you or some small money with you or invest with you in whatever capacity and in terms of whatever amounts, I want to make sure that, you know, you're not going to do something stupid with the money or you're not going to invest in something that's not mandated or you're not going to... Uh, uh, overcharge me or you're not going to do something which is not transparent and also it helps you. That's it's on the negative side. But on the positive side, I want to make sure that um, you're not like the banks because the reason I'm investing with you is I don't want to invest in the banks because I don't like the way they behave. Absolutely. So the, the, I think the thing for us is building the brand, building trust. Um, you know, we've been around only for four years now um, and we've got over, you know, 800,000 people have signed up with us. So... If we do the wrong thing, we know we're just going to kill the business. So it's really, really important 
top of the list, you know, that we talk about all the time is, is compliance and um, making sure that we're doing the right thing by the customers. So take me back to the day the light went off and you decided to do or get involved in Acorn. So Acorn was what this business was originally called, as in an acorn which, uh, from which a, a tree grows. Is that what we were yeah, talking that's, about? Yeah, that's the, It was American? Yes. So tell me through it. Uh, so I got an opportunity to invest in it early stages when um, through someone I'd met in the, in the financial markets, um, a friend of mine and uh, well-known financial markets guy called George Lucas. Um, and George said, listen, I think this is an interesting opportunity. He had a business which was trying to market over the electronic marketing to try and get a financial services business going. So not a traditional business, but then he, he stumbled across um, Acorns in the US and came back and said, listen, this is a really good idea. We should try and try and do this. So we had a couple of chats about it. And then I thought, well, you know, it actually does sound like a great idea. And I had not understood the power of the cloud and the computing and, and I thought, oh, you know, we have all these customers and spreadsheets and things like this. So I'm not, I'm not a tech guy. But I thought it was a good opportunity to invest in something which was going to really, really help people um, because the barriers to entry for investing are high. You know, you need five dollars or $10,000. Um, you need to fill out a massive amount of paperwork. So if you can take all that friction out and you get people investing and, save, <clears throat> and saving, then you're doing something good. And as you would know, and I don't know if your listeners do, but 90% of future speculators lose their money. Hmm. 10% win. So I'd been involved in businesses where most of the customers lost their money hmm. and you were giving them margin calls and it wasn't generally very pleasant. But in this business, we, we get people writing to us saying, thank you very much, you know, you're really helping me. This is a great thing. I've, I never thought I'd be able to save. I never thought I'd be able to invest. So hey, would you consider it a saving tool? Is it more a saving tool? It's saving or... and investing. Yeah. It's, it, it's just breaking down the barriers and it, and it makes it so easy for people in the background of their life just to set something up and it accumulates. Sort of set time. and forget in some respects because yeah. you, you're not even conscious of it a lot of time when it's happening. You say set and forget, but we have incredible engagement on the app. 80% of people look at it at least once, once a week. Um, and we get, um, you know, we, we're constantly getting feedback from the customers. Because we're going to, in the second half, I want to talk, we're going get, to get into how it all works because it's, it's an interesting, I always, whenever I talk to anyone about this, they always think, oh, well, that's, they always say, oh, that's clever, that's smart. Um, it's like the thing that everyone else should have thought of, but they haven't. Um, but we'll get, we're going to get into it in, in a moment. Um, I, I guess, but I want to just come back to that moment. Do you remember where you were when you thought, Maybe I'll try and get involved in this business, not invest in it, but get involved in it. Well, it really was an investment to start with. It wasn't like a penny drop moment. What happened? Going to be. Well, I was sitting at Cabrito Coffee Shop having a coffee with George and he said, look, I think this is a really good idea. And I think oh, my original reaction was I think it's a terrible idea because, I, uh, as I said, I didn't understand the power of the cloud. Because why did you think it was a terrible idea? I'd been involved in a business once before where there was fractional ownership, um, actually of units of gold. And... It failed because we we couldn't keep track of it properly, and I thought, wow, if we get involved with all these, if we get all these customers on like they're getting in America, then how are we going to? How do you manage the scale? How do we manage the scale? Because it and is a scale business. It, absolutely, it's a scale business. Yep. And so, you know, after a few more discussions, you know, that it wasn't going to be a bunch of people sitting around with spreadsheets. It was all, you know, it was all in the cloud, and the and the app is a very sophisticated piece of gear and would take care of everything. I thought, well, that's a really good thing. And, and, then, and then I thought about, you know, my own kids and, and the, you know, the price of houses and how the hell are they ever going to save a deposit? I know, I know how, they, <clears throat> how they all live. 
I thought this would be a great way to get him started and get him engaged. Yeah, so I guess the, the curious question here is, Tony, like um, and people listening to this trying to work out what to do. I mean, a lot of people got jobs and but they have ambitions to do something else um, and or they might be in another business but they have an ambition to do something that they think is a good idea. But they never really, they never end up doing it because they don't make that first step. Like they don't make that jump in, That they don't make that commitment and just to say, fuck it, I'm going to have a crack here. So, I mean, is there some, an example you can give them of what actually made you turn into or was it a, a whole cu- accumulation? It was an accumulation of things. But I th- I th- the real thing that drove me, you know, that attracted me to it was, was the fact that you could actually do something that was going to help people. Here was a business that, if it was successful, um, was going to make a change to people's life, a good change to people's lives. And I thought that's a, you know, that, that was sort of the penny drop moment for me. But is, is that the, um, do you think that's the domain of a, a more mature, experienced person like you were? Or is that, or do you think that domain of I'm going to make a change for the better can, can be enjoyed and or engaged and, and or participated in by the younger generation of people in their 20s and 30s? I mean, do you think, or is that just reserved for older blokes like you? Oh, I don't think it's reserved at all. I mean, you see, see these kids now, they've all got a lot of good ideas. The, the, the problem they have is getting the capital together to make sure that they can execute them. Um, you know, I've had the experience for a lot of years in the market um, and, you know, I've made a bit of money along the way, so I had some money to invest, but... I. I see a lot of kids. We see a lot of kids coming through our doors looking for seed capital, and and you know there's a lot of good ideas out there. Um, as you would know, there's there's millions of kids with a, with great ideas. Um, not many of them work. So, yeah, so do you don't do you, do you? But do you don't think it, the reason that they, they don't actually end up doing it or it doesn't work is because it's not because of their lack of maturity. Is is it is more that they can't get access to capital or they don't know what they're doing? Well, look, they have a great idea. They don't. They don't have a. You need to have a, you know, if you're a young guy going into business, you need to have good people around you and you need to have capital. You need to have a mentor, someone you can talk to about the ideas. You know, if just something's completely crazy, um, you need someone to say, well, that's actually not such a good idea. Here are the reasons it's not such a good idea. Yeah, because, so, because like, you and I both have kids in that sort of age bracket, um, children in that age bracket. They're not children anymore. They're all adults. But um, I wonder why... Well, what would you say to, say, one of your boys, Will, for example, if Will come up with a mad idea, like, a, a, I mean, I don't mean mad and it's crazy, like a really good idea. What would you say to Will? I'd say go for it, you know. let's. But how? How do you how do you go for it? Well, you've got to put a business plan together. You know, it doesn't, it just has to be a mud map, really. Um, let's work out what the eco- economics of this thing are and, you know, let's try and get some funding together. Yeah, um, funding. Funding. F- funding's crucial to all these things. So how did you go about getting your funding? Um, well, look, we put in our own money. So you put in seed capital? We put in seed capital. Um, and then uh, about 18 months ago, we floated on the stock exchange to get extra capital. So this, now just in terms of seed capital, um, you better explain to our audience what you mean by seed capital. So we talk about a million bucks or, or did you actually invest it in the fund and then, then invest the fund? So, so, no, so we invested in the company. So so what the deal we did with the Americans was we put in, um, I can't remember how much it was, um, but they, they put in the the stack of technology um, and we put in the working capital for a couple of years. Right. And working capital being the amount of money you had to pay for wages, rent, yeah. various other things. So yeah. you sat down and worked about out a seven, budget. I think it was about $7 million we put in. Okay, so you sat down and worked out a budget. Yeah. You, you said, this is the budget, this is what it's going to look like, 
Um, there's so much money we need to, to operate. Um, you did a proper costing. This stuff's boring stuff, I know, but it's critical. Yeah, and you do a base case, a, you know, worst case, base case. Best case. Best case. Which never, we never get to. Yeah. Um, we never go to the best case. We always end up in either the, the middle case or worse um, in terms of what actually happens. <laughs> never works that way. Um, but you, you sat down, you build a budget, you had a partner or partners to raise the money, the initial capital. You got someone else to put the technology stack in because yep. this thing works on scale and needs technology. Um, you didn't have an app at that time, did you? Uh, the app was part of the technology. Was was yep. part of the technology, Acorn's app. Um, and what did you do? You just kicked it off? We kicked it off. Um, uh, we had to adapt the, the technology to the Australian market. Um, we had to d- adapt all the marketing material. Um, and then we, um, we, we ran a beta test for six months. Uh, and when I last saw you, I think we launched on the 10th of February in 2016. So I think I saw you on the 17th because I listened to the podcast last night. Um, and, um, uh, we, we just, it just started to grow gradually and gradually and then take off really. What would you say would be the three key, um, people and or functions or skills that you needed when you first kicked it off, so you raised the money. That's that. That's not a skill. That's just capital. Um, you had the concept, which is being work, was working in America. You had the technology, but what are the three skills you needed to bring into the business to kick it off, or two maybe? I mean, what yeah, did you oh, need? Look, um, uh, our CEO is a very clever guy. He's strong financially, uh, very um, strong financial market skills, but also very strong uh, in technology. Right, so you needed someone who understood the tech. Um, yeah, and look, being in the financial markets, you've got to understand the regulatory um, regime and how that works. And I think anyone could probably build the tech if they wanted to. The really hard part is making sure it's, it, it fits in with the financial services legislation. Yeah, yeah. You needed the skills that your CEO brought, which was good technological ability to be able to adapt the technology stack that you got from Acorns yep. um, to, to this business. You need someone who understands the markets. Yeah, the markets we've, had, we've had people who've tried to copy it and they've probably got most of the way there on the tech, but then they've failed on the financial services side. And what and what else did you need? Did you, I, mean, well, I mean, apart from that, that's one guy. What, what other one yeah, thing? Well, you... We've, you know, we've got a finance guy. We've got a, um, a team of technologists. Uh, we're, we're in Sydney now. We're employing close to 20 people and we've also got some developers offshore. Right, so you, so, which, so so we started we started with about seven people. We need marketers. Uh, all the marketing is social media marketing, and so we just gradually built the team out as as the business grew. So therefore, the, and we're going to I'm going to go to the break. I'm just going to summarise though the the three. Th- I mean, apart from having enough capital, you got the concept, the idea. You got a partner who supplies the technology. That's critical. You've got the capital, which you need to run the business for a couple of years. What I call patient capital, or pay for capital that's not sort of going to be screwing for return day one. Um, then in terms of skills, you had a techno- technology skill in the business. You had a, an understanding of financial markets, which is your your trading area where you trade. And then you had your marketers. Yeah. Your people who could go out, both marketing, actually talk face-to-face, um, answer phone calls, um, and speak across the various digital mediums. They're, they're really the skills any business needs. I don't care whether it's in your area or any other area, but they're the skills every business needs. Yeah. And they're the, and there's those capital items, that capital, the money. Businesses need money. It, it's not enough just to have a bloody good idea. No, well, you need money and you and you need a good idea. Yeah, you need both. And, yeah. you, and then you need the skills to execute. So we're talking about 
idea, capital and execution. Put simply, three things. Back here with Tony Fay, and we're gonna we just we, we've chatted about sort of what were his moments and how he sort of got into this business, and pretty much from his experience, what were the elements that are required to launch a business and to give it a couple of years worth of uh, running on the ground before you can actually go to the markets and raise money big time. Tony, what's really important here is the business. Tell me what is your proposition to your customer-consumer, consumer of your product. What is your proposition? How does it work? So Raise is what we call a, a um, micro-investing platform. And what it does is it collects small amounts of money, various ways, and I'll go through them in a minute. Can we, can we go from the consumer point, the customer point of view? Yep, sure. Let's, let's look at what a customer does. Okay. So, look, uh, simply a customer downloads the app. Why would they? Why would they? Because they've seen us on social media. Their friends have told them. 40% of our um, business comes from referrals. And what do they see? When, what are their friends told them? What have they seen on social media? What, what, do they, what do their friends tell them? Why do they tell them to come, see, come to you guys? Uh, because here's a way for them to save and invest uh, without having to go through the rigmarole of opening an account at a stockbroker or um, going to a financial planner um, with small amounts of money. So for our demographic, which is basically between 18 and 44, that's 80% of our customers, most of them have, have, have never had the opportunity to be involved in the stock market. Um, and so what Raise does is by, there are five portfolios of ETFs, exchange-traded funds, um, which are not individual stocks. They're, 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 they're aggregates of an index. So it's not like you're buying a whole bunch of BHP, or, but you're still participating in the stock market through these ETFs. So basically what these ETFs do is they follow the performance of the stock market as a whole, yeah, sort of in round terms. Round terms, yeah. So, so like, yeah. So one of the ETFs is the ASX 200 yeah. ETF. So, so it runs in parallel to what the ASX top 200 do. So if it goes up, if that goes up by 20 points or 50 points or goes down by 100 points, the ETFs sort of pretty much follow it. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so and the top 200 being the, the top 200 by market capitalization, in other words, top the top 200 in terms of size – this fund, fund number one, is it? What yeah, well, so it's like, there are seven ETFs in each portfolio. Right. Uh, and it just takes out the complication for anyone. I mean, they just say they, which, which fund they want to be in, the aggressive or the moderate or the conservative, and there's a couple so in you, between. So, you, so, so, you, so, you, so there's, a, there's a button on the app they select to suit their risk appetite. We don't, we're not in the business of giving advice. General advice only. But I want to go back to you. Sorry, because I, I, so my friends told me or I've – Somehow your Instagram accounts come through to me, and or you might have, you, know, you might have done a you know might have done targeted me through some advertising through yep. uh, Facebook or Instagram, etc. Um, you got to me because I might fit the demographic that you know you've profiled, um, and I see it raised there, and I and um, I, I I get I can swipe up to go to the app, perhaps maybe yep. that's the way it works. I get to the app, um, but what? what and the and I, reason I'm in there is because I'm thinking, well, should I haven't um, really ever invested in anything because I don't really know how to invest in the stock market. Or, this, or, or you think you haven't got enough money to invest and this, in the stock right, market. Right, and I, I, I don't have enough dough. Yeah. Um, so I might be a young person, but, I, but someone, somehow I've been convinced I should start having a crack. What do I do? I download the app? Download the app. Then you um, 
you go through the know your client anti money anti money laundering like you would with any financial so service I get provider. Vetted. I get so vetted. you get vetted through the app. Yep. Whole process takes about five minutes. Yep. Then you um, link a debit card, credit card, whatever you normally do your spending with, uh, and you link your bank account to you to you. Uh, to, to raise, yep. I link it. Yeah, you link, link that to the So app. raise has access to my credit card and or my bank account? Yeah, you give the, all those details. We, we don't keep the login credentials. They're held by an aggregator. Um, and then uh, every time, you know, you, you select, it asks you to select roundups, which is a process whereby every time you tap your card, it rounds the purchase up to the next round dollar amount. So, so I bought coffee this morning, tap my credit card. Yeah, 350. What's yeah, the dirt? So on your credit card, it still says 350. The app's keeping score. And when you do that 10 times, you'll have five bucks worth of roundups. It'll go to your bank account, take the $5 out of your bank account and invest it. So, so me, the customer, in- I authorize raise to take that five bucks out yeah. and, and out of those roundups, those 10 roundups, as you just said. Yep. It doesn't do it every time. It just does it every... every it's five, you can set it on the app, $5, $10 or $20. Right, right, right. And, when, and once it gets to that $10 number, whatever, whatever it is I choose in the app, um, the raise... Software goes into my either my credit card or my bank card. Or my, my bank account. Yeah, you're authorised to take money out of your bank account yep. and, and invest it. Yeah, and so invest it into the raise fund. Then what's the raise fund do with that five bucks? So there are, as I mentioned before, there are six portfolios of ETFs. You choose your risk level, and then um, you end up with if you're only putting in five dollars, you'll end up with five dollars worth of the ETFs that are in the fund that you choose. Right. So it's it's sort of taking all my small change. The money I used to throw in a jar or throw in the bloody car or and or now because it's on a, you do everything on a, on tap and go, there's probably a lot more transactions where there's good roundups. This is bit, yeah, that's probably not, been great yeah, for you. It's actually. not just that. So in fact, only about fifteen to twenty percent of the money comes in from roundups. Right. So when you open the app, uh, it encourages you to make an initial deposit of a hundred dollars. So yep. you've made a start. Uh, and How do then I make the deposit? I you just press on the app and it goes once you once you're set up, it'll just. Withdraw from your bank account. Withdraw from a bank account, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, and then people set up savings plans. So some people have read, you know, how to become a millionaire by saving a dollar a day. So they save a dollar a day, or I put in a hundred dollars a week, for instance. Um, or you can just do a one-off deposit if that's what you want to do. Right, and, and so it's it's a using digital technology to sort of force us, not force us, but once we make the commitment, once we allow your software to come into our account. You do all the saving for me. Yeah, it just happens, in the, we, as we like to say, in the background of life. Yeah, totally. Because it just, every time you transact, every time you spend money, you save a little bit of money. At the same time, your savings plan that you've set up, the, the app will walk you through a savings plan. You know, you're saving $2,000 to go to Bali. I need to put in $50 a week for the next 40 weeks or whatever the time frame is. It coaches you as well. You get a message saying, "Like oh, you're going well, you're not going so well. You need to do this. You need to do that." Oh, really? So, so, that's good. Yeah. So it gives, you, it gives you sort of reminders, etc. Yeah, and it looks at your spending patterns. It'll send you a cheeky message if you spent too much on Uber. Say, "Listen, you know, do you realise you spent two hundred bucks on Uber this week? Have you thought about taking public transport or walking?" Oh, that's good. Um, it's just it's, it's a health check. There's health checks all the way through. Yeah, um, yeah, that's great. And 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 so the money that it sweeps out of my account. Whether it be my small change or or the roundups, as you refer to it, or alternatively, it could also be the money I'm actually authorizing it actually to invest over and above the roundups, or or alternatively, I might just put a lump sum in, whatever it is. Yep. What happens to that money once I've chosen which fund I want to be in? So I want to be in. Let's say I want to be in the aggressive fund. Yep. Um, 
who, who does investing? What's going well, on there? It's all computerised. So we take in all the amounts of money from, you know, hundreds of thousands of people every day. Um, we work out what how many of the ETFs we need to buy. Um, the computer spits it out and it's done. And is there someone actually sitting there on a, a bike pedalling away and doing all the investing? Or uh, the, the manual process is the actual trading part. Right. So they get it spit out from the computer, um, tells them what they need to buy or sell if people are withdrawing money. Um, and it just you're fully invested. So you, you end up owning these fractional units of ETFs to the seventh decimal place. So. Right. You are, so what Tony means is uh, you have a small percentage of these ETFs. So if you were to go out and do it yourself, you'd have to buy the whole ETF. You have to go buy the whole ETF, pay the minimum brokerage. Yep. You're having a percentage of every other, all the ETFs, yep. but a very small fraction of it, yep. depending on how much depending, money you've depending got. Depending on how much money you've got in your yeah, account. Yeah, yeah. So and the average account balance is, is approaching $2,000 now. Right. And, and how do you make your fee money? Uh, we're very transparent fee structure. So if you're... Account balance is less than $10,000. It's $2.50 a month or $30 a year. Uh, and if it's over $10,000, it's 27.5 basis points. So, you know, around a quarter of a percent. But that means point, yeah, just a little bit more than 0.25, 0.27 of a percent is a fee that you guys take. What do you take it annually, quarterly? Uh, monthly. And when do you pay? Do you pay? Do you... So, what also happens in the app is when the ETFs pay a dividend, they will automatically get reinvested. Right. And if you want to take money out, there's a button on the app. You just press the button and you get – it takes about three to five business days because we have to sell the ETFs, yep. settle the trades and get the money back in your bank account. Yeah, so you're not you're not uh, relying on your own liquidity. You just uh, do that particular transaction to get liquidity for me. Yeah. Yeah, so it's not, you don't sort of carry a liquidity pool. No. Where you can just draw the money out to pay me back out. Um, no. you, you, if I If I hit the button and say I want, want 2000 bucks. Uh, you go and sell two thousand dollars worth of whatever it is I got. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense because that that gets rid of the liquidity issue that you might have to be managing all the time, which can be a tough thing. And funnily enough, the kids say actually it's not a bad thing because when they're in the pub and they want money, yeah, you can't get it. They can't get it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so they well, that's do. when they use their dad's credit card and they just get their own mo- the money from dad. And, you know, and, and, uh, <laughs> so and that's 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 it's, it's really interesting. Now, what are some of the the success stories? I mean, have you got any people in there who have? Maybe save enough for a deposit for a house or anything like that. Do you know anything like oh, that? Look, we get a, we get a lot of testimonials, you know, unsolicited from people saying it's changed their lives. And as I was saying to you earlier on, it really is a, a fantastic thing for people to who thought they could never save any money to be in a position where all of a sudden they're saving and they're seeing their savings grow. And you know the stock market has been going up, so yeah, they, yeah. they've all had a pretty good experience. You've got to remember this is investing in the stock market, so it yeah. can go up and go down. It's not riskless. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we, we're very you know, we point that out and when the market tanks or something, you know, we, we do a lot of educating as well. So we send a lot of stuff out to the customers talking about, um, you know, time in the market, not trying to time the market. The markets go up, markets go down. Now, just explain that. You're saying what you should be choosing is time in the market, yeah. not trying to time the market. What that means is, well, will you explain that? Oh, look, you know, the market is a, it's a beast. And, and what happens when something like... Um, coronavirus happens, the market will think, oh, that's the end of the world, We're gonna, you know, and, and people start to panic and sell. The worst thing you can do is sell on those days because invariably sanity rules and those who are panicking out have sold at the lows. So we saw a lot of that action with our customers. Um, firstly, when um, Brexit was announced, the market tanked, and people could see they were losing money well, you know, their mark-to-market on the app was down, so they 
started to bail out, then they all started to come back in again as the market rallied. So just so, you, so, so, so mark to market, I think that's important. You just need to explain what that means. Um, you, you guys, are, explain what mark to market mark means. Mark to market is the difference in what you paid for the asset and what the market price is now. So if you bought something for a dollar and it goes to a dollar fifty, you've got fifty cent profit. If you bought something for a dollar and it goes to fifty cents, you've got a fifty cent paper loss. But what the, you guys do is you market to the market. So yeah. daily or weekly? Every twenty minutes. Every twenty minutes. So every twenty minutes I can check my account and if I put a dollar in like Tony just explained, um, it might read a dollar fifty for some reason. Well, it might be because the market's gone up by fifty percent, and over that twenty minute twenty minute period, your your the app has marked my asset up to a dollar fifty. Yeah. Or equally, could go into, in the case of the coronavirus or the Brexit, it could go on down to fifty cents. And what you're saying is, people sit down at fifty percent, fifty cents, and they shit their pants, and they basically say they they go back to the app and say, "Should I better get out because there's a problem here?" Yeah. And because I've got to save my other fifty fifty cents. Yeah. When in actual fact, and that's that's. What Tony's talking about timing as opposed to time in the market. So if you spend the time in the market, generally speaking, these things, including the GFC. Yeah. Well, you look where the market is now. You recover. I mean, here we are 10 years later or 12 years later, we're at record highs. Yeah. And in the height of the GFC, everyone was panicking. Yeah. And you're saying um, don't panic. So you don't give advice to people, but you give them – uh, we coach them. E- education through your programs. You know, yeah. you send stuff out to people. Yeah. Um, and I, I guess the game here is too, is because there's small amounts of money that we're investing, people investing on this app, there's the, generally speaking, it's the big guys, you know, who make these quick changes in and out. Um, but if they're out, they usually get back in straight away too and it's something else. They just usually move from asset class to asset class. They don't move out and leave it all in the bank and sit there and just wonder. Because they're smart enough to know if I'm out at that low price, I've got to go and buy something else at a low price. Yeah. Whereas um, punters, individual people, they don't generally no, they get nervous. nervous. They get nervous and they think, oh, should I better go to cash? So the good thing about your app is, is well, the, the, the psychology around your, your product is it's much smaller amount. So I'm less likely to overreact. We've seen that as well. And, and as I spoke earlier on, we, people are starting to trust us now. We've been around for four years, which is a nanosecond in financial services. Um, but people have had a, a, a really good experience with us um, and we're seeing larger amounts of money come in. Um, we've got some people with over $100,000 in there and we get in touch with them and say, listen, why, why are you doing it? And they say, well, it's the cheapest funds management I can find. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, It is cheap because you should explain that because another issue, another bit of friction for a normal person, an average person, I should say, or a normal person, average person, to invest ten thousand or five thousand or fifteen thousand dollars is the fees that are involved. For that, it's quite expensive. It nearly makes it not worth investing, or it does make it not worth investing. Yeah. Is that what you're saying? Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying it's not worth doing it, but I'm saying it's more expensive to do. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Uh, with traditional um, products. Yeah, because and the reason you can do it cheaper is because you're a scale business, which relies on. Um, digital technology um, to take the hands away from it and the system just keeps working and working. Yeah, I mean, you've you, you, experienced these businesses. So in our call centre, which um, has got uh, three and a half to four people, uh, they're servicing 225,000 active accounts. So you've got how many, how many customers you've got? 225,000? So, um, we've, we've opened 375,000 accounts. We've currently got 220-ish uh, that are active. 220,000 yeah. active accounts. Yeah. And Tony, if I was asked you, I mean, you've been in this 
this business for four years now, right? Yeah. So what was your, the thing that kept you awake at night? Like what was the worst thing about all this? Where, where was your most challenge, biggest challenge, most challenging period? Oh, look, the, 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 because it's a technology business, you always worry about the technology. Um, and when we were rolling it out first, there was a few bugs and we thought, oh, people are going to have a great experience. But the team did a fantastic job of, of making sure that, you know, when a bug was identified, fixing it. Um, and, you know, if we ever got any negative feedback from people making sure that we addressed it in a, in a really fast and positive way. Um, there's, there's now a Facebook, a raised Facebook, closed Facebook group where, you know, I don't know how many people are in it. We're not allowed in it, but, you know, we, we monitor it and it's generally uh, a lot of positive comment. We launched a new product. We launched Raise Super. So that, that has, um, uh, we launched that about 18 months ago and we've now got about 60 or $70 million in that and the average account size is 25000 So people are trusting us and trusting us with, with more money and that's the aim of the game for us is to get... Uh, to get more people on the app and get more money under management, because the more money you get under management, the better you can perform in the markets too. You're much, much more, much more co- bigger economies of scale. Yeah. The cheaper you can actually produce your product, and obviously the more profitable you can become. You, you listed. We listed about eighteen months ago. So you listed on the Australian Stock Exchange. So the business is listed on the Stra- Australian Stock Exchange. That's one way of raising more capital. So what did you do? You, why did you list on the ASX, and how much money did you raise, and what did you use the money for? So. Um, we raised, uh, because we bought the Americans out, we had to, to basically buy the technology, which is why we needed to raise money. Um, so we used the, f- the money that we raised um, in the IPO to, to um, pay for the Americans and just really to, to expand on our marketing. And we're, we're also um, launching the business in Indonesia and Malaysia. Um, so we needed some money for, to get those offices established, which are established now. Uh, and to start to start the process in both those countries. Have you actually launched the business in Indonesia and Malaysia yet? Like the Indonesian one is, is uh, up and running. Uh, the Malaysian one is due to start in about a month's time. And it, what's the traction so far? How's it look? Uh, so far, it's because the, um, we're not a, we haven't really been pushing it in Indo- Indonesia yet. I mean, we, we ran focus groups and the focus group basically came back with the same answers as the focus groups in Australia. Um, so, but the banking system is a bit trickier up there to connect to the banks, and that's taking longer than we'd hoped. So, technology, yeah, the technology is more more of a challenge, yeah. and it would be too, yeah. relatively speaking, particularly in, in a place like Indonesia, I'd imagine. Uh, but um, we've got high hopes for them. We've partnered with um, strong partners up there, um, and um, you know, why would you pick Indonesia or Singapore, for example? What, uh, it's, it's because it's a numbers game. It's population. Right. Massive population. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're right. You can get scale there more easily. Yeah. yeah. So, if we're still doing this in four years' time. I'll be able to give you a, an update. <laughs> well, I'm hopefully I'm still doing this too in four years' time. So, so basically, what we've got here is uh, Tony and his partners have come up with a good idea. Um, they've gone and got a whole lot of round one capital, which is what we call seed capital, which is their own money. Um, they put in the variety of skills that they needed to get into the thing, and then they just basically had to go and went out of crack, build it. Um, you've gone and gone through another round, um, and generally speaking, we go for another round of capital because we either have to make a big investment somewhere or, as you say, you buy, you might be buying another business, aggregating something else to give you scale, or you're going to buy someone out, which in your case you're buying out your partner of the business um, and probably preparing to go off and um, go to other territories like Indonesia and Malaysia. Um, and over this whole period, um, you've 
built like a, a $480 million of funds. I mentioned, I think the last time I saw you, like $3 million of yeah, funds. Yeah, it was three. I listened, it was three. We, so this time four years ago, we had 22,000 signups. We've now got 800,000 800, plus signups. We had uh, $3 million, and now we've got $480 million. So you've, it's a 400 bagger in terms of the numbers of customers. That's just pretty amazing. And it, the customer acquisition has been incredible. That's a, and uh, I, but by the way, I, I do, I do follow you. I, I'm on Raise. I think it's Raise Invest or something. Yeah. That's, that's your Instagram handle, is it? Yeah. Yeah. R-A-I-Z-I-N-V-E-S-T. Yep. Raise Invest, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, I do follow that, and um, you always – the Instagram's always sending me stuff about it. Um, and I think it's – I think it's a very good idea. I think it's high demand. So in other words, parents should be telling their kids, look at this sort of stuff. It's amazing. I mean, like if you go back 100 years, 50 years, this concept of, particularly when markets are rising, this concept of putting a little bit of money away every week and letting it compound and compound and compound and compound, as opposed to saving for a particular purpose, but that's just another reason to do it. But compounding just, and if you did it over 15 years, it's amazing. It is incredible. Like, and, and the power, this, the power this has is crazy, especially yeah. if you can get good returns like we're currently getting in the stock market the, yeah. in the last three, four years. Yeah. Would that be right? Oh, absolutely. It's incredible. Even, you know, the kids learning about what a dividend is, seeing it going into their accounts, seeing their accounts go up, it makes them feel good. Every parent should do it. Um, for me, every parent should do this for the kids that are at an age where they've got their own money. Um, even if you're giving kids an allowance, I think the kids should be forced to get on. What's the age group? Eighteen. You need to be eighteen to 18, open right. an account, right? Um, but we have a thing on there, a, a facility called Raise Kids, where grandparents can open an account, save up all their spare change, and give it to the kids when they're eighteen, or pay for their school fees, or do whatever they want. I, I just, I think it's a fantastic concept. Um, it's very simple, but it's a great concept. It's, I think it's potentially very powerful for every individual who invests in it. Um, it's a shame that we don't have more. This is the sort of stuff governments should be endorsing. It should be it should be talked about in schools as well. And I like the education part of it. What what one question do you have for me? Do you have a question for me? I do. Like, what is it, mate? So, so I went back and listened to the podcast from four years ago. Yeah. And you said, listen, we are in for a very long period of sustained low interest rates. And you said 1.75% will be the low, 2.5% will be the high. Here we are at 75 <laughs> basis points. Who would have known, eh? Who would have known? What's your What's your prediction for interest uh, rates going well, forward? Well, sustainably low. So for, for a long period, it's going to. There's no, I don't see anything. I don't see anything out there in the marketplace, in my marketplace anyway, that indicates to me a return to higher interest rates. So inflation, unless they change the parameters by which they decide to adjust interest rates up or down. In other words, they change the inflation targets or they change the growth targets, um, unless they change those things under the current policy for making decisions as to put as to putting rates up or down, but more importantly up, I don't see any change because I can't see inflation getting outside of the into the range or outside of the range. I can't see getting beyond two or two and a half percent. I can't see growth getting back up into threes for a long time. Um, I can't see unemployment getting down to four and a half percent. I think it's going to hover at the five, and more importantly, underemployment's going to just continue to rise because that's just a new phenomenon. I think. Um, so the main indicators, there's nothing there. So um, I would say, and I'm probably going to make another fearless prediction because four years ago I was completely fucking wrong. No, 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 you were fifty percent right. Fifty percent right, yeah. <laughs> but in these current environments, that's a lot um, to be wrong. Um, but I really don't think there'd be much change. So, you know, like if you're looking at investing your money in the bank, forget it. 
You yeah, well, you get zero. You, you get got, negative returns. You got to go find after inflation, hundred percent, and after after tax and inflation, yeah, you you're no, making no money. You're losing money. So you really got to go and people got to start to look for these sorts of investments, these sorts of opportunities that you, that you're offering in race. Um, and it, by the way, it's R A I Z, not R A I S E. It's R A I Z. Um, you need people need to start to do this and. Parents, I think it's incumbent on parents to start to educate the kids about this stuff. It's a whole new regime, which young kids are going to now walk straight into. Absolutely. And it's a difficult environment to make money unless you play momentum games like like you, what you're doing, investing in the stock market. People investing in the stock market, I don't think it's necessarily just because of the, the returns are just better than the interest rate you get. I think people investing in stock markets because of the momentum of uh, around. There's a lot of momentum. It just has a lot of momentum because there's no other place to put your money. Well, that's right. As you just said, low interest rate environment. And even if even if the banks start paying not 5.5% fully franked, but they say go to 3.5% fully franked, point is it's still better than less than 1% that you get if you invested or deposited your money in that same bank. Yeah. And the stupid thing about it is I can go and deposit my money with Westpac and get less than 1%. I can go and buy Westpac shares and get, I don't know, let's say just under five. Yeah. So what am I going to do? I'm going to invest in Westpac shares. The moment I invest in Westpac shares, I think, well, should I, but maybe I put some in the CBA. Maybe I put some in ANZ. Oh, and then someone will talk to me, maybe I should buy some BHP. And, the, and therein lies what's going on right now. Yeah. And if, you, if, if you're in a position to be able to do that, but if you're not in a position to be able to do that, then it's the perfect problem. How can I get a fractional and it sounds complicated, but how can I get a fractional? Basically, how can I get into those markets without going buying $100,000 worth of shares in Westpac and paying a broker a commission and all that sort of stuff? How do I do that? And one way you're doing it is exactly what you're talking about, race. Absolutely. Tony, good to see you, mate. I, I want to see you, maybe not but in four more years' time. Well, I'll come back in, in two, two years. Because so. I reckon, you, I reckon you're gonna get, you'll be way over a billion dollars in terms of funds under management. Let's hope so. And then we're talking about a seriously valuable business to you, and well done, mate. Good on you. Thanks, Mark. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.